0: This is Rudy Mondragon and I'm Jared Bato and this is the Split Draw. I don't fight cause I want, I fight cause I need, so all my people can eat, drink, fucking get free,
1: come on. What's up? What's up? Good morning. Good morning. The morning's here. The morning's here. Sunshine is clear. Canelo is so very near.
0: Dude, remember when we sang that song? <laughs> I sent I sent Jared a video message <clears throat> singing that song, hyped and excited. Back when it, it was the Saturday morning when Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather were about to fight. And I was so hyped. I was so hyped. I sent you a video message of me singing
1: that song, just uh, bringing in the morning and knowing that it was going to be a great boxing day. I was already up. Uh, my shirt was out. And, um, you know, I was uh, facing the day with my chest. And I was, like, proud to be a Filipino that day. I remember. It was great.
0: Yeah, yeah it was a fun day. It was a fun day. And, and, and we're here today, um, this morning. It's the morning of a mega mm-hmm. fight between Saul Canelo Alvarez and Dimitri Bivo taking place at the T-Mobile Arena
1: in Las Vegas tonight. Canelo's here. He's in, here. <laughs> He's in Vegas. He's in Vegas. Yeah, this is going to be great. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like we have so many thoughts about this, but mostly it's around celebration. Like, it's, it's uh, Cinco de Mayo week. It's it's that time of year when uh, really whoever takes up the slot for boxing is gonna put on the show. So like I I feel like bubbling with excitement. I just don't know how you're feeling about this week.
0: I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it gives us a good opportunity because uh, Canelo and and Bivol they're making up a very important Cinco de Mayo weekend tradition that really started with. You know, the rise of pay-per-view and El Gran Campeón Mexicano, Julio Cesar Chavez, who really made famous this um, in the in the in the in the current sense. And like in the last four decades, thinking about Cinco de Mayo, which is not Mexican Independence Day. Let's be just uh, let's get that out of the way real quick. It's it's not Mexican Independence Day. It's September. It's the Battle of Puebla that took place in Mexico. And it was a victory, a battle victory. So it's 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 still. However, very celebrated, not celebrated in Mexico, but very celebrated in the U.S. and mostly because it's a good opportunity to sell a lot of Corona, a lot of Modelo beer. And now, shout out to uh has Gone Wild and their beer called Pisto. So I think that's going to be the new beer of Chicanos and Latinx peoples all over um, the U.S. and the world, maybe. But but it's a it's a holiday that's used for marketing purposes, uh, mm-hmm. primarily for for beer and 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 boxing is also kind of jumped on that promotional campaign and, and but for fans it's like one of the most exciting weekends in addition to september 16 which is uh, mexican independence a lot of independence countries in latin america also celebrate during that weekend so september and may have have become these mega weekends for
1: mega fights exclusive boxing rights like as as someone who's been a fan i felt like these slots were holy it's like the Super Bowl times of the year of boxing. Like, I feel like every time we run this bo- uh, podcast, we're like, yeah, there's no schedule or whatever. And then we come into this weekend and be like, yes, this is actual schedule. This is what we're waiting for all year. And and of course, someone's going to put on a show for us. Uh, and it's uh, of Mexican heritage. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Yeah. So in, in past Cinco de Mayo fights, how does this one rank to you? Well, like Oscar De La Hoya said it recently, I think it was a photo that
0: someone created and it was uh, Julio Cesar Chavez on the left and Oscar De La Hoya on the right and Canelo in the middle. And it's representative of like this, like passing of the torch. You know, Chavez popularizes fighting on this weekend on a large scale because it it happened before Chavez. Right. But on a large scale with commercialization of boxing, with pay-per-view, et cetera, Chavez. Oscar De La Hoya then takes over the Cinco de Mayo weekend slot. Mayweather then takes it over, which is, mm-hmm, makes it interesting mm-hmm, because he's not a mm-hmm. Mexican fighter, but he, he was the cash cow respect. Yeah, and, and, he, paid and respects. he was very, I think he was very respectful when he fought on Cinco de Mayo. Oh, Some yes. people would argue oh, yes. against that, but I, I think he was, I don't think he ever mocked it or caricaturized Mexican culture on Cinco de Mayo like Tyson Fury did when he entered the ring against Otto Wallen, but that's a, that's that's a discussion true. for another day. That's, that's another uh, day. But I think Canelo is, you know, he's he he's the he's the current cash cow. He's of Mexican descent, which which definitely helps with the promotional billing of fights that take place on Cinco de Mayo. So he's the current fighter that that is appropriate to fight on that weekend, and he does a good job. I mean, his ring entrances are are very very much deploying Mexican culture and and his identity of of who he is and 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 what he what he represents. And his fights are exciting. His fights are entertaining. And people tune in. People tune in. So going into this fight, I think he he's a he's a good ambassador, I guess you could say, of of Cinco de Mayo weekend fights, who of fighters who main event these mega fights. And so what this fight does, Dimitri and Canelo is is is, allows us, I think, in this episode to talk about what what is a mega fight in boxing. And and I think one of the differences is is you know mega fights versus mega events in the global sports. Uh, world you know there's this, these two concepts of mega events and mega and major events and and although i see this fight as a mega fight it's technically not a mega event based on some of the research that i've i've read on what makes a sporting event a mega event or a major event right it's actually mm-hmm. classified as a major event which is similar to a super bowl event uh, mm-hmm. Which is a one-time or like a reoccurring event of that has a limited duration, and it's said to have an enhancement on tourism, which means it brings in people. It it, it generates revenue for some, and it has an impact on the short and the long term. They're unique and they attract a lot of attention. But mega events are are different than major events. Mega events are like World Cups mm-hmm. or like the Olympics, which take place every four years. They're sporting events that that take place over a fixed duration of time. They attract large, large number of visitors to a city, to a region. They have international reach. They come with large costs. And they do have major, major implications on the built environments and on populations that reside in those cities and those regions. For example, like with the Olympics that are coming in LA, you know, one of the biggest protests that are taking place about not having the Olympics in 2028 is the infrastructure that's built for the Olympics. But once the Olympics are done, those infrastructures that they, they built for specifically Olympics are not necessarily used or benefit or enhance the communities that live and reside in those areas. And so it doesn't help them thrive. That money could be spent directly to serve communities that live in Los Angeles, right? And so this is, I think, the difference between Mega events being these World Cups, these Olympic Games versus major events, which is this boxing match that we're going to see tonight. However, I do think that in the context of boxing, it's the biggest, biggest event that we'll see this year, um, arguably. Right. So it's a mega fight within the context of boxing. But within the
1: larger global sporting landscape, it's a major event. I think that nuance is correct, because I've, I've been feeling excited about this, and really I haven't reflected on why I do feel excited. <laughs> and why I do feel excited is the systematic anticipation of what we're about to see in Cinco de Mayo and, and the fact that Canelo's headlining it. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the context of it, in terms of the location, in terms of the choreography, it's actually very systematic. Like it's it comes in exactly as planned. There's no delays. Canelo has picked an opponent that has only one of the light heavyweight belts. You know, it's not sure it's a light heavyweight belt, but it's also something Canelo has done before. He's fought Kovalev for the light heavyweight title uh, previously, and that was, to me, maybe only because of the knowledge of hindsight, was more of a mega event compared to this uh, this fight and which is funny because right before this call i felt like i just saw a quote where canelo was directly kind of addressing media's comparison of that of that fight of like uh, canelo fighting kovalev before versus bivol now and he immediately shrugged kovalev off and it was like he sucks compared to bivol and i'm like uh-huh. of course that's of course that's what you're going to say man and uh so i, I didn't want like i, I don't know i i every every time there's a fight coming up i always have a large piece of my heart like attached to the challenger and of right. course I have a feeling of a challenger uh coming from Bevol today but yeah I think you're right like it is a mega fight in the fact that it will be a challenge I don't think Canelo is not ever taking lightly Bevol um and I think Bevol has the look of a, a guy that knows the chance he has in this moment but in terms of the context of it is it going to change anything is is Canelo going to is risking anything big or is this an extra challenge that he's never done before? I would say, no, he isn't. And he's only benefiting the built environment of Las Vegas, which is right. always benefited from boxing. You know,
0: Yeah. And like, you know, like the built environment and because and, Mayweather, when he would fight in Vegas, he would always say how he helped generate and stimulate the economy of Las Vegas from hotel sales to um, gambling to to food and industry. And it's true. I mean, but, you know, like even even then inside the T-Mobile or, or the MGM grant, it, it, you can't fit more than 20,000 people in there. So even even thinking about that, how much is it impacting? But who is it specifically impacting is, is the other question, too. But and we're and we're going to get into Canelo Bival predictions, which is going to be, I think, interesting. I, I got something for, mm-hmm. for for you all to listen to about when in terms of what I think about how that fight's going to shake out. But. I wanted to share a couple of um as we as they call it major events in boxing slash mega fights because mega fights is a very specific boxing idea it's like it's like the world cups of of boxing except they happen like maybe once a year at least we'll see one or two big big mega events take place right and you know we we recently saw um tyson fury and 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 um dillian white fight and and that was an arena that was packed it was a, a mm-hmm. soccer arena close to ninety thousand fans those are mega fights too right mm-hmm. and so we get we have a lot of mega fights and and so i wanted to kind of give a little bit of like just a uh, provide examples you know about some in my opinion right because this is subjective this is very open for interpretation and everybody has a different reason as to why a mega fight stands out to them or a major event stands out to them for me i think because you know me, Jared, I'm, I'm a very I'm very big on history of boxing, mm-hmm. but I'm also very big on like why these fights matter and what they symbolize. And so for mm-hmm. me, I think the, the three most important mega mega fights that took place in history, you got to go back to 1908. And I've talked about this in the past, right? The night bef- the night that Jack Johnson became the first black heavyweight champion of the world against Tommy Burns in mm-hmm. Sydney, Australia, December 26, 1908. This is a mega fight in my, in my opinion, not just because it was the, one of the biggest purses in boxing history to date for these two fighters. Jack Johnson made $5,000. Tommy Burns made $30,000, and that was the highest. So for those listening, you know, pull out your inflation calculators and see what that would be in 2022, right? Probably a lot of money. That fight drew 20,000 fans in an outdoor arena. Then we have Jack Johnson two years later in Nevada and Reno fight Jim Jeffries, the White Hope. That Jack London said we need him to emerge from his alfalfa farm to discipline and put Jack Johnson back in his place, wipe that smile off his face and reestablish the white race as the superior being in the boxing world that drew 15,700 fans in Reno. And then for me, the other one that's that you have to talk about it, like if you're a boxing historian, you can't not talk about. The Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling fights that took place during the eve of World War II, right? Mm-hmm. Nazi Germany was rising in power. Uh, their first fight takes place in 1936. In their rematch, which Joe Lewis loses to Max Schmeling, but it's not for a title. Their rematch takes place in 1938, a year prior to the World War II starting, and this is when Nazi Germany was attempting to use Max Schmeling as a representation, you know, his success as a representation. Of, of German superiority and Nazi superiority, which Schmeling actually didn't embrace. He didn't, he didn't fuck with that. Lewis, at, that, at the time of the rematch, actually had already become the New York State Athletic Champion, which was the world heavyweight champion of the world at the time, mostly because Schmeling couldn't secure a fight with James Brodock, the Cinderella man, given the geopolitics for, for fear that if Schmeling won, that the Nazi state would not allow him to face us challengers to fight for the world title so he doesn't get that opportunity joe lewis gets the opportunity but he's still joe lewis is like i'm not the world champion even though i have the title i'm not the world champion officially until i face max schmeling he said Mm -hmm, they face mm -hmm. they face each other and this fight begins to be marketed as u.s democracy against nazi dictatorship but mind you it's nazi it's 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 the U.S. trying to show itself as this as this geopolitical power that practices some humane form of democracy. But it's still a Jim Crow era in the U.S. Racial segregation is at an all time high and lynchings were still a horrific and violent reality for black people in the 1930s. Yet they use Joe Lewis as this symbol of U.S. superiority over Nazi Germany. Convenient. Despite, yeah, right. Exactly. It drew 70,000 fans. Yeah, 70,000 fans at Yankee Stadium and 70 million listened on the radio in the U.S. alone and over 100 million listened worldwide. So that is is one event that super, super major or mega, in my opinion, mega fight. And then we have like the other one. that, uh, And this is the last one I'll share. Right. It's the Julio Cesar Chavez and Greg Haugen fight. Greg Haugen's from Washington, isn't he? Let me look that up. He's from Greg somewhere Calvin. out there in, in Washington, but this fight took place in the Azteca Stadium in Mexico City. It drew 132,000 fans in 1993, which was actually not the first, it's not the largest attended fight in an outdoor arena. It's the second largest fight. The first one is Tony Zale against Billy Pryor, who fought August 16, 1941. And Zale beat Pryor by KO in front of over 135,000 fans in Juno Park in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's the largest attended soul boxing event and outdoor arena in boxing history. These are mega fights. Mm-hmm. I think the Tony Zale and Billy Pryor fight, a lot of people I don't think know about that
1: history. Yeah. I mean, you can't argue with that. Like the impact of the lead up, plus the the inevitable consequence after the fight is just electric and it, it's like uh, yeah no especially with the numbers you shared with joe lewis it, it could not be ignored like uh what resulted was war and and a confidence probably that that elevated you know the allies power at that point because they were like oh yeah Joe Lewis is inspira- inspiring. He must represent all of us winners. So yeah, I think uh, it's definitely not what we're about to see in uh, mm-hmm. yeah. in Canelo versus Bevo. However, yeah, like I don't think they even spent time creating a narrative of like Russia versus Mexico, mm-hmm. and it was it was really all business. I think, and it was um and and really Canelo was elevating Bevo as a, as a great light heavyweight belt holder and uh someone who's strong and uh yeah it's i think uh i maybe one from modern history like this like you mentioned yeah our our greg Hogan from auburn washington auburn this auburn this was in um 1993 so i wonder okay like maybe let me take a, a a wild guess of what could be the odds version of a mega event, which to me, because I'm such a Pacquiao fan, that would be Margarito versus Pacquiao. To me, that was huge or uh, actually maybe I'll trump that with De La Hoya Pacquiao because that even though, you know, folks were calling De La Hoya washed, uh, it was, he was the tallest, heaviest welterweight that uh, Pacquiao would have fought. So the challenge aspect was there. And then um, Pacquiao was always doing this for the country in the Philippines by like having, yeah, he he would proudly say there's no crime in the Philippines when he fights uh, because everybody's tuning in. So it was definitely a mega event in the context of the Philippine population. But I felt like everybody had to know what was going on at that fight and couldn't ignore it in this recent history. Yeah. Would you say that
0: that De La Jolla and Manny Pacquiao fight is your favorite mega fight that you've seen?
1: With Pacquiao in it, I think that, that's why I say Margarito first. Mm. I think De La Hoya uh, and Pacquiao was meaningful and it had meaning for it uh, because De La Hoya's uh, legacy was that that big. I think, and I felt like at the time many wasn't reaching for that yet. And but then once he defeated him, I was like, yes, absolutely. He has this and more. Uh but for for me, the mega fight oh, was Margarito. That to me was a giant killer story. Like it looked mythical, just like how big Margarito looked and um and how, actually how much uh how honest Pacquiao was leading up to the fight. He was very scared. He trained he he might have overtrained to to come into the fight. He came in actually lighter. Than then what um the than, than the welterweight limit, and we were just like, what is going on? Like, how is he? How is he preparing for this fight? So it was, it was a little bit of that drama, like so that yeah, it was a small scale mega fight drama that I felt elevated it. Yeah, then- I think
0: I think we're mega fights too, and I, I wonder if you can speak to this too, Jared. is like mega fights. There, there's an element of of how it makes you feel
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: beyond like the numbers, beyond like it's like really the cultural impact someone that fights from a country that represents who you are or like your culture, right? That that, there's certain feelings that, that, that arise from that. Like, how would you, how would you describe the way you felt when Pacquiao fought against Margarito just watching your, your, your hero?
1: Yeah. I mean, so the countryman aspect was built in, right? That would, that would happen regardless of who he fights. But to me, it was, it was about the challenge he was taking and, and what he was telling the world he was about to do and why he was doing it. And, you know, the, the background he came from, he came from dirt poor um, and he started boxing when he was very small. So to me, uh, that distance that he was reaching for was emotionally like, yes, uh, he's taken up a huge challenge here and he doesn't even know the outcome of it. So it it, that story I felt like was the most uh, emotionally impactful for me because he he wasn't showing supreme confidence. He was worried about the fight. He was worried about his opponent. He was a little bit fearful about the opponent, and um, that translated as a fan to me to be like, yes, I I think I should I should face this bravery myself. Like I want to watch the fight to see how how he will succeed, and even if he loses like maybe that's that's okay you know like so i i think emotionally it was just like about the challenge to be like is he a giant killer and uh is he gonna slay a monster today you know and so i yeah i wonder i wonder if that feeling's the same for me today with with bivo canelo because prior prior to doing my research on bivo i was like man bivo seems like a true light heavyweight but i was just like wow bivo use like two uppercuts into your, in your high, overall highlight reel. And uh, folks you've been fighting have been very slow. And so, I, I, yeah, I don't know if it's such a challenge, I guess, uh, per se, compared to the um, perception of a challenge that Canelo had prior to fighting Kovalev, for instance.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we're, we're, we're moving into predictions now then for Canelo Bivol. Is that what I'm hearing? Okay,
1: okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, actually, let's just put it brass text. Like, what is it gonna ha- what's gonna happen today?
0: You're asking me? Yes, I'm asking I, you. I'm I'm I mean, well, I was I was looking at the just some of the numbers right, and and uh, I noticed that Canelo's reach is seventy point five, so 70 and a half versus mm-hmm. Bivol's seventy two. So I'm I'm liking that Canelo's five nine, Bivol's about six foot. The height, the reach, and Given that Bivol is 31 years of age, similar to Canelo, and he fights with a wide stance, you know, I, I, I which is good for his power shots and also to control range and control distance. I'm liking that reach. I'm liking Bivol to use the jab, a stiff jab though. Mm-hmm. I also like how Bivol shows quick response. Like he's kind of like Maravilla when he fought. Fa- against chavez jr where like when chavez would find a way to get inside or, or connect punches early in the fight Maravilla would quickly respond and take his play away i yes. feel like i saw that in Bivol's fight against richardson i want to say the last name is and mm-hmm. he was like he would get tagged but he would craig quickly craig richards the, craig richards he would take the play yep. away from a, from him like as soon as he's he felt like he was coming on
1: yeah, you know, Pascal too. John mm-hmm. Pascal. He he did the same thing uh to very slick fighters who would arguably do it on him. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so I like I like that he does that. I I see that
0: that's gonna be. It'll be interesting to see how he de- he deals with Canelo's speed because I I agree he's gonna be the quicker fighter. Um, but you know it, you brought up earlier Canelo and Kovalev, which was in 2019, and and I've oftentimes looked at that fight and I was like, not necessarily. I was very critical about the timing. You know, why did Canelo and his team pick Kovalev for that fight in November of 2019? And so I had to look at it and, and you know, in comparing, because that's the last time Canelo fought a light heavyweight, the, the last and the only time. This is only his second mm-hmm. time fighting against a light heavyweight fighter. And Kovalev in that fight just seemed like he was more concerned with controlling the distance, but he was doing it by throwing these really soft, jabs that were just touching canelo's gloves Mm -hmm. and it seemed like he wasn't trying to gas himself out and there's a reason for that i think so i think Kovalev's conservative approach to fighting canelo in 2019 might have been as a result of having been knocked out by eleider alvarez in august 2018 coming back and then beating alvarez in a rematch in 2019
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then he fights Anthony Yard in August 2019, later that same year, gets dropped in that fight, but pulls out a tough TKO win. And then he fights Canelo less than three months later in (laughs) November 2019. So in my opinion, and I've said it before, Kovalev was damaged goods. Mm and 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 it made sense for Canelo and his team to want to take that fight the timing was right and so Bivol on the other hand is coming off two decision victories in May and December of 2021 and in my opinion this fight's going to be dangerous for Canelo or at least very competitive because it appears to me that Bivol has had enough time to rest from his December 2021 fight mm-hmm. rest and heal and recharge to come into a training camp for this May 2022 fight and be ready for Canelo. I think he's going to be in great shape, but he's not going to be damaged goods with that said, it's going to be a tough fight, similar age for both. It could be said that both are in their prime time years. And actually, you know, my, my prediction is I'm leaning more towards Bivol. I'm leaning okay. more towards Bivol and shocking the world with uh, a, a decision or losing a controversial decision, but either way, I think this fight is going to go the distance and I'm leaning towards Bivol because of that comparison between Sergey and, and, and Bivol just, you know, Bivol was is 31. Kovalev was 36 when he fought against Canelo. So that has a factor as well. I think at that, at that weight division. So I think Bivol is like going to pull it
1: out, bro. I like it. I like it. That's a great prediction. Um, so, I have I feel like I have very similar feelings about Dimitri, like, and the last fight I did watch was his December fight against Umar Salomov, which is a huge light heavy, he was really big. And, um. but yeah, like, Dimitri's last, um. let's see, one, two, three, four, five fights ended in a unanimous decision went a whole distance. And it's really interesting to see him with that style and also deliver power and pressure at the same time. So he's not a typical like Russian fighter, actually, that's like um, really out there to like murder you <laughs> like i guess i guess in the kind of uh, like unfair stereotype of uh, you know russians in in rocky movies like mm. it, i feel like kovalev uh, even provodnikov in a way like they have like a kind of a ominous theme of them that that brings about the same Hey, I'm I'm trying to hurt you. And um, but I, I think Bevo has that same way, but it's a really subtle difference because he's a little bit of an architect, he's good with his feet. I think he has a little bit slighter. Uh, worse balanced than canelo, like standing in the ring, but his feet are quick and his hands are quick, so I feel like he's he's a lot more strategic minded he's a like commander in the ring, and he puts his hands uh, wherever he wants and um I love his the activity on his left hand he has a very pumping jab that's active and has a mind of its own and while he has his right hand pairing, so i love the i I just love the whole package of uh, of bevel but yeah that's the thing to me like his all his fights have gone the distance and uh with larger light heavyweights he hasn't been able to hurt them and i think canelo has a way more durability than even super middleweights and, and to me, that's kind of why he's, like, flirting with this light heavyweight line because he's, like, I bet – I feel like what he's betting at is, like, I bet these guys don't have power to beat me. Like, and, and I'm going to test the waters by picking the guy who has one of the belts, Dimitri B- Bivol. And so I think what we're going to see is actually going to be similar to what we saw with Ryota and, and Triple G. We'll see early success with Bivol. In the first six rounds, maybe outpointing Canelo, uh, but then Canelo slowly tiring him out and bringing bringing Bevo into deep waters and saying, "Okay, let me show you my punch variety." Because that's the thing that's frustrating with Bevo with all his talents, he doesn't have punch variety. I think he's very predictable, and the opponents that he's fought in the light heavyweight division, which is not of that like good quality, to be honest, is have have having people just plodding forward and throwing one twos. And so with Bevo's like extra left hook, like active left hook in a great right, mm-hmm. like that is the extra quality that brings him above and uh, being a title holder. But I think Canelo's is still a, a different level. And mm-hmm. so I think it's going to be uh, uh, I think it's going to be maybe a majority decision because Bevo will come on, come back on late. And then but the, the house will still lean towards Canelo.
0: The house. That's a very important thing to mention. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough to be Canelo in his home soil of of Las Vegas his home meaning that he's you know he's the home team in, in Las Vegas team. yeah
1: he's the home date <laughs> yeah, exactly. this mile weekend and I, he doesn't I, only own Vegas he owns the date and time and place so yeah. that DeGeval has to take it away from him so that's the thing like i yeah yeah, so he, has to take it, he has
0: to take it away from Canelo, yet yeah, this is the funny part because like last week when they were talking about like Serrano and, and Taylor, they're like, Serrano has to do a little bit more because she has to take it from the champion. But mm-hmm. that's how boxing works. It's interesting because it's the opposite here. Bivol has to do a little bit more to take mm-hmm. it from Canelo. To take what? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, I, mm-hmm. but you're He's right, the though, champ. because He's that's the built. reality. You know? It's the reality. That's yeah, the reality so when funny. you're the A-side, and you don't have to be a world
1: titleist to be yeah. the A-side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the past eight fights, seven of Canelo's fights were taking trying to take the belt away from someone else and then making them look like the B-side in a way. And so it's just like a double entendre of just, just things stacked against you. However, I feel like that is very motivating for these belt holders, so I think we're going to get see something exciting. That's what Canelo's hoping for. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, I like what you said about the 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 left uh Hook that that Bivol throws because I I in his in his fight in his last fight that I watched he he throws that jab and then the hook and I oh, like that combination because fast. if if he can land that it'll be interesting to see if he tries to land that on Canelo because Canelo's going to try to counter that if Canelo yes. which I think he might be able to counter him successfully with it but if Bivol lands those that that jab and hook because i think he's gonna be he's gonna need to lead through through that fight with his jab but a stiff jab because he, that's something that he probably can take away from the sergey fight because sergey was making that fight pretty close it wasn't like a, mm-hmm. it was still a toss-up uh, up until mm-hmm. canelo knocked him out in the 11th round but i think that jab is going to be
1: key and then this i think i think Bivol got a stiff jab to to to, to keep him at bay he I like his stiff jab and it serves as some of his defense, but I think Canelo's punch placement and punch diversity is leaves him open. And so like we're gonna see a little bit of a quick jab, just as like Riota kind of overwhelmed Triple G in the first rounds. But then we'll see Canelo hiding in his peekaboo and seeing, oh, look at that body, look at that body over there. Yep. And then and he's going to eat that up, you know, and and I don't know, like, sure, he has a great hook, but Canelo turns his head. He's been working out his neck only what it seems like for the past <laughs> month. I don't know, man, but I'm I'm still excited to see how it unfolds because Bivol is a great, great title holder. And he's been fighting giants himself, which is like, <laughs> uh, like, it's, we cannot forget that. And I think he's going to show us a good night.
0: So I ju- I just realized that I jumped on the agenda. My bad. We jumped from no I predictions mean, segue- to football
1: Canelo, and now we're going back
0: to let's, predictions from last week.
1: The last fights were very awesome, so I think we should give it some air time. Um, so yeah, last week was Taylor Serrano, Shakur, and uh, Valdez. Like, how how did you see it? How did your predictions lay out?
0: I went one for two, one for two. And i I'm very happy because I I think I could have been two for two, but. I'll start with Shakur and Valdez. I was spot on with that one. I, I knew going into that fight that it was going to be very difficult for Valdez to get inside into box and to try to establish himself as the boxer. He, like, and, and other folks have said it too, he was going to need to make that fight messy, kind of like Chino Maidana did against Mayweather in their first fight. But Valdez wasn't able to do that. And I think that's a testament to. Shakur, which is an underrated puncher, his his jab and and his accuracy in his punches will will make someone like a Valdez stay stay away and and be careful because those punches do make an impact. But um, you know, he pitched basically a shutout, and um, he he's so versatile. He ha- he moves in and out, side to side, and just you know, like like Timothy Bradley said, he put on a masterclass.
1: The kid evolved a lot more like in his last couple fights. I love his how his discipline translated into an even higher evolution of his style. And so his speed was crazy, and his elusiveness was crazy. And this just calmness and control is very like that that was just really cool to see because we know now that he's going to be around for a long time being a champion uh with that attitude in the ring yeah. uh taking on any type of opponent yeah
0: and with that skill set at 135 he's even he's even putting putting guys in that division on notice because on i notice. think he could be a very good favorite against many of those guys and and i know Steve Kim and Mario Lopez were talking about it the other day on their podcast three knockdown rule and they said Steve Kim said that he likes of course against uh gervonta tank davis in a future Ooh. fight one day because and he said it, he, he said it great i'm not you know he said it perfectly that that fight would be a mega fight because it's it's jersey versus baltimore that's an east coast fight that's an that's a new york fight right there and i, I agree cool. it, it would be amazing to see that one day that so would
1: we'll be yeah Down i hope the line, so baby. I hope so. I hope so 135 is stacked. So we'll see if mm-hmm. they uh, capitalize because they, they also need to capitalize. You know? Yeah. All right. So Taylor versus Serrano. Oh, my God. This is I'll let oh you go first. God. What did you think? All right. So what I liked was um, Taylor's game plan. Like, I felt like what I saw. Was uh, Taylor having confidence in her staying in that lightweight division way longer than Serrano has and sticking to the plan and like just clamping down on her mouthpiece and gritting through those hard shots? Um, but yeah, like I predicted Serrano, like I thought her hands would do the work. Um, but it was just a real mystery in those middle rounds where I felt like I was lulled into like the sense of like, oh, what's what's going on? Like, who's ahead now? Like, I just forgot suddenly what happened. And uh, Katie Taylor was uh, doing her thing, like kind of like just getting inside, throwing her hands, looking busy, scoring points. So I felt like Katie Taylor knew that. And even though while she was, I felt like knocked out on her feet. Um, she was still like a champion in a way to say yes i i uh i know what to do even though i'm unconscious and so um yeah the decision was a little bit disappointing it was one card that was like 197 um 193 for katie or something like yeah, that yeah
0: 97 93 for taylor
1: that that card was was shameful like, I think that one was completely biased and that took away the rounds in the middle that Serrano actually won. So I think that card was was bad, but I I wasn't mad at the result. Um, but I also am a little bit disappointed on how Team Logo, Logan and Serrano took that loss. And it, as opposed to like saying, hey, you know, they could have... You know, run it back like i immediately texted you rudy i was like mm-hmm. i hope they run it back like Absolutely. that's the that's the real result that should happen but it also shows to the to rookie promoter uh logan here um or sorry jake paul or like <laughs> yeah. uh like to him for him not to follow that up quickly instead of crying immediately of a stolen fight like that that to me was was all mm-hmm. bad and didn't set serrano for success
0: yeah I I thought that fight was definitely fight of the year candidate Mm. that fight, but these two fighters laid it all on the line. They were exciting. They, the two minutes I think was the big difference because in those middle rounds, when, when Taylor was hurt and Serrano was, was moving forward and, and finding success. And and I think cutter bloodied up Taylor Mm -hmm. had it been three minute rounds. I don't know. I think that fight would have been over. I think the ref would have stepped in and stopped it. But Taylor Taylor did good in weathering that storm. Serrano didn't look tired or fatigued to me at all, but it did look like she like took her foot off the gas after that. Major. That was really weird. Yeah. I I I felt confused. It could also be a testament to Taylor. Taylor did some adjustments that, that, that didn't allow for Serrano to continue to find success with her power because she didn't look tired or fatigued, but. I don't know. I think I. I think given that Serrano moved up two weight classes to 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 battle and and to, which is a very common thing in women's boxing. Like they're all over the place when it comes to weight divisions because Weights, yeah. they're looking for the fights. They they can't really establish themselves. Some can, but not all can establish themselves in in one weight division because well, of like the competition Katie, and names.
1: Katie with lightweight, she's Katie, been able Katie to was establish. Able to stay, yeah. She's comfortable at that weight, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Kaylee Reese. She's gone up in different weight classes to go up for different titles. You know, fought middle weights and now is like at a at a lighter weight. So, yeah, three minute rounds I think would have made a difference in this fight. I hope that in the rematch they do it pay per view. I hope that they do it in a large outdoor arena. I hope that they make it three minute rounds, twelve rounds total.
1: I think Serana learned a lot in that fight, um, and like the and she was very sharp, but so was Katie. So I th- like it was an amazing fight. Yeah, actually, I think maybe maybe after tonight, I'll wonder what my fight of the year is. But that was certainly like one of the sharpest, like most exciting and strategic fights with with drama sprinkled in yeah. <laughs> on both on both sides getting hurt. But uh, yep. yeah. Yeah. That's
0: that's why these two, they get the People's Champ Award for this week.
1: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I, I got to give
0: them I got to give them the People's Champ Award to Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. Absolutely. who Put on an amazing show for the one point five million who tuned in at home and the nineteen thousand one hundred eighty seven butts that filled the Madison Square Garden on this historic night. Taylor pulled out the split decision win with scorecards of 97 93, 96 93, and 94 96. These two truly demonstrated the commitment that women make to the sport and how they need each other and work with each other in order to amplify women's boxing and their fight for equality in this brutal male centered sport. Katie Taylor, for example, led the zone's Chris Maddox know how she felt immediately after the fight by paying respect to Amanda and saying, Mm -hmm. quote, I think we're both winners here. Look Mm -hmm. at what we've just done. Sold Mm -hmm. out Madison Square Garden. Amanda Serrano also had powerful words when Maddox turned to her stating, quote, they say no one wants to see women. This place is jam packed. Irish, Mm -hmm. Boricuas. We put on a hell of a show. I'm so overwhelmed by this crowd. Women can sell, women can fight, and we put on a hell of a show. A hell of a show, these two put on indeed. Now let's keep it going, change the rules to make it equal, and have both women and men's championship fights be 12 rounders and three minute rounds. And more importantly, increase women's compensation and treat them
1: equitably for their labor. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it's going to go down in history. Like uh, I think they set the bar now. And like, if anything, they've willed that equitable nests, even though the ceiling is much higher for, for women's boxing, they set a new bar for what they deserve and for what type of show to put on too. Cause man, Serrano fought in those sneakers. She she is uh, it was just elite. Elite women doing elite fighting, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And now, I mean,
0: it's not a shame award, but <laughs> I'm gonna call it a take it easy award. Take it easy. It, take it easy. I'm gonna call it a take it back-a-notch award. And this <laughs> one goes out to Canelo Alvarez, who recently expressed. Get this, bro. In fighting at the heavyweight division, stating, I like it. Why not? I'll fight (laughs) everyone. I don't fucking care. That's Canelo. I like the energy, but let's call it what it is. Good publicity. Good headlines. Let's not forget, Canelo was planning to fight a cruiserweight. The WBC champion Ilunga Makabu, which didn't materialize but it made for good headlines saying you like a fight with a current heavyweight champion alexander usyk who packs a punch has significant size over you weighs north of 200 pounds outreaches you by 78 to 70.5 boxes beautifully and moves fluidly in the ring as if he were dancing are simply that yes. words Let's see how the fight with Bivol shakes out first. Real talk. seriously talk about who's next for Canelo.
1: Ukraine is still in a war. Usyk is still representing his country for, for Canelo to comment on that. I mean, of course the media was trying to like let tee it up for Canelo to, to get that soundbite, but for him to react to that, is just yeah i hope Usyk out there heard that like to me well, he, i hope he's been he's hope, been saying he's down for that fight he's i hope he does cuz like that's that's the type of like reverse sectology that canelo does to fighters he already has advantages on so absolutely i think usyk should take that fight and it will be beautiful because yeah. I, who knows about tyson fury coming back after his another retirement announcement but yeah. uh yeah and and, we'll and see. Not-
0: and I hope uh, I, I should make this clear, like Canelo has serious skills. Mm-hmm. Canelo is a, a a boxer with great intellect, a, a fighter who makes adjustments during fights. Not as good as Floyd. I'll always say that, but but he does. He does. He's good. He's good. He's good in there. He's got skills. So it's not to say that Usyk is is more skillful or, or has more skills than him. It's just a big weight difference. And that weight difference, that size difference, I think for me is like, OK, that might be a little bit too much that you're, I think, you're, you're trying to pull off there.
1: Yeah, I think Canelo never really gets hurt from his fights. Like uh, I remember seeing a trending topic of uh, Canelo fighting um, Miguel Cotto's brother and that's what and him getting hurt there and, and having wobbly legs at 19. I felt like Canelo hasn't felt that in a while. And I mm-hmm. think it's masochistic for him to want to feel that just because he wants this <laughs> legacy and challenge because getting hit by an Usyk Superman. I feel like Usyk throws Superman punches all the time because of how light he is on his feet. And so that means he leaps into the punch. So I think, you know, it's, that's very dangerous and we'll see. I mean, the, the thing is about this b fight is like, who's next? Better beef. <laughs> Let's go then. Let's go then. Canelo. Yeah.
0: I wonder if Canelo sees himself because he's a big, big uh Tyson's one of his favorite fighters in terms of power punching. And I wonder if he sees himself because of his frame, because Canelo could make that weight no problem, but that's not his natural walking around weight either. So like walking yes. into a ring against a, a heavyweight that that walks around naturally as a cruiserweight and puts on weight to be a heavyweight is, you know, it's a. I think it's a big difference. But I think maybe. Yeah, you're right. He might be channeling that. And also, like maybe thinking himself, like you know, if Tyson could do it. He wasn't the tallest heavyweight. He was compact. He moved a lot, and he had this nasty power. He maybe maybe he thinks his power and speed can translate to the heavyweight or cruiserweight division. So we'll see. But first, get past Bivol. Get, 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 get past, past Bivol. Res, respect Bivol. Let's see how it goes down tonight, and then yes. let's let's go ahead and talk about. Like and 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 seriously talk about it, not just say it for for headlines and for just for just uh responding to the media. Let's Absolutely. let's see if that can actually materialize. Like that would be another mega fight slash mega major fight.
1: <laughs> yes, that's, very well defined. Now <laughs>
0: that's the time we have. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Jared, do you want to close it out? Do you have any final words, or do you want to just
1: final words? Go let's get ready. Canelo's here. Canelo's here. Let's watch the fight. It's going to be clear. Canelo's here. It's time, baby. (laughs) It's time,
0: baby. Let's go. Have fun watching the fight. I wish I could watch it with you, Jared. Everybody listening, have fun. Enjoy the fights. We'll see you all soon.
1: Peace. Peace.